Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam. Yeah. Zach. Adam, are you on a holiday? Are you singing the Weezer song Holiday? No holiday. The Weezer, the Weezer song "Holiday" goes "Holiday Far Away." We can stay on a holiday. It's like the worst song from the Blue Album. Uh, yeah. What's That's, the green? Wait. What's the Green Album cut that you're singing? Uh, Island in the Sun. Yeah, yeah. Island yeah. in the Sun. Island it's a very famous song. Also, wait before we get into it. What is the worst song on the Blue Album? Because I think it's "Holiday." <sighs> I, I want to check, but I think it's Holiday. It's not Billy. It's not Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly rules. Does it? Buddy Holly is a yeah. Buddy Holly is a super tight pop song. I don't know. But here, holidays. Hold on. Yeah, Holiday's a little light on. All right. Because here's what we got. I, My name is Jonas. Classic. Yeah. No one else. The world has turned and left me here. Great. Both. Ooh, great. That, that one's my favorite. Yeah. Buddy Holly and the sweater song. Awesome. Love them both. If you, yeah. you don't mm-hmm. like Buddy Holly, that's up to you. Surf Wax America. Bit... Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, Say It Ain't So. Great. Perfect. In the Garage. Talks about Nightcrawler. Perfect. Only in Dreams. You probably yeah, danced yeah, it think, at your prom. I think you're right. No, there was no Weezer at the prom. Come on. Shit. Yes. Uh, we won't talk about what the worst uh, songs from other Weezer albums are. <laughs> Uh, because that's that would be wild. Uh, but if in case anyone's curious, it's Knockdown Drag Out from uh, the Green Album is the worst song on the Green Album since that's the only other one I had up. Oh man, this is going somewhere, isn't it? It is because we we are going to talk about the island uh, where the X Men uh, live on now. Actually, one last. I feel like we one could... last one. One last one. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I I think Falling for You is probably the worst one on Pinkerton. Probably not from a thematic or like problematic standpoint, because Pinkerton's a mess from a moral standpoint. But from a from a pop album, it's great. Oh sure, yeah, it's got lots of problems though, uh, throughout. Um, it's, but yeah, it's, it's like Comic Book Sabolski's can... favorite album. I mean, it's a good album. It's just a it's it's problematic. Adam, um, Adam, Adam, I don't know if it's yes. actually his favorite album. That's a deep cut reference uh, oh. to, to what comic book Sabolsky, uh has done in his past and his, let's <laughs> let's say charitably, fetishization of Japanese culture. Yes, uh, maybe uh, maybe Akira Yoshida likes Madame Butterfly like Rick. I mean, like uh, Weezer, like Rivers. Rivers. I feel like this episode's kind of getting off to a bad start. No, I, look, I, I, here's what I, I'd say, Adam. I'd say it's getting off to a bad start for about 70% of the audience. 30% (laughs) of the audience is loving this Weezer talk. Oh, and I love Weezer talk too. I just feel like I'm a little unprepared. Um, At first, I thought you might have been going for like Beach Boys Kokomo when you started. And then I was like, oh, good. You were going to do Krakoa and sing it in the theme of Beach Boys Kokomo. No. Then 
Island in no. the Sun by Weezer from their 2001. Yeah. Yeah, so today we're talking about Krakoa, but not the Krakoa of today. This is the Krakoa of yore, sort of. Sort of, kind of, not really. It's So, Krakoa's, Krakoa's a thing in one issue in 1975, and then it's nothing for years well, and years. Yeah, I mean... If we're going to just talk about its initial appearance for a moment, and we're not ranking that because we've already ranked Giant Size X-Men on our giant list. On our giant but, list where um, we rank I every X-Men have, comic at 71 right yes, now. Yes, I did have a uh, very um, – an audience – I played audience to a very aggravated Chris Claremont recently. We um, talked who, about this last episode. It's so good. I know, but uh, he did mention as part of that uh, that verbal attack that uh, <laughs> that he didn't understand how Krakoa could be in the Hickman run because uh, Krakoa had gotten launched into space. And he's not wrong, but the stories we're going to talk about today very distinctly um, kind of address why there are more than one Krakoa. Well, actually, before that, can I uh, can I just tell Chris Claremont why he's wrong? I mean, I know you want to invite him on and just tell him, I but do. Uh, please share with our listening I audience do. why he's wrong. <laughs> Adam, Adam, you, you remember Silver Age X-Men? Sure do. You remember The Stranger? I remember that Stranger, yes. Yeah, uh, The Stranger, uh, he, in the 90s, had a quote, uh, Stranger's Lab World where he kept a bunch of aliens to look at. Uh, And then in an issue of Quasar, uh, we found out that not only had the stranger found Krakoa in space and locked him in lab world, uh, but then removed him and he was freed by a character called Overmind, also known as Grom. He's Mm. an eternal. Love it. I had no idea about this backstory. This is fascinating. Me either, because I've not read Quasar. (laughs) <laughs> I assume who wrote that Quasar issue? Uh, this is bad radio. We'll find out though. Hold on. Quasar 15 was written by uh it's written by Mark Grunwald, of course. Ah. Continuity okay. nut Mark Grunwald. Uh And then anyway, well, none of that backstory is going to factor into these stories. Is no, it? we almost I almost read Quasar 15, but I did flip through it and see that it's pretty much just a cameo, but we can no prize this bad boy. <laughs> well, um, we also are about to talk about a story that kind of explains it in a different way, um, in that there were some seeds that fell to Earth um, when Krakoa was launched into space. Some sp- so what is this first story? Uh, this first story it comes to us from Patreon supporter Enigma. Yes, that's right. We are talking about the Riddler here. And the Riddler, wow. the Riddler in his green suit covered in riddle marks did go over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and said, hey, I'd like to give those Boda Boys some money. So he said, hey, Boda Boys, here is some money. Please talk about Excalibur 31. No man is an island. (laughs) Unless that island is the island that walks like a man. Well, yes. Yes. (laughs) But that's not a man. That's an island. That's an island who walks like a man. It's about Krakoa's kid. Uh, you know, Vegas, Vegas Supreme. Yes, the giant frog that lives underground. 
<laughs> yeah, that lives on New Krakoa Island that he captured. Uh, it's this is written by Scotty Lobs. You know him. He's in charge of uh, he's in charge of Wally West now. He's he's the man who does all the Wally West things. Oh my. Yes, and I'm going to give uh, uh, professional comic book writer uh, Scotty Lobdell a lot of credit here. I like this issue. It is very Excalibur. I'm mixed. So, as we know... Mixed, okay. As we know, Scott Lobdell had big dreams of being a stand-up comedian. I believe he did some open mics. I don't know if he toured. I don't know how tight his five was, but... This is true. This, Are you making this up? No, this is a real true thing that you can read about in Marvel Age. <laughs> I'm just taking this in for a second and imagining what that sounds like. But oh what Scott God. Lobdell's right, type five is? I bet what? it's misogynistic. <sighs> uh, Let me tell you about my girlfriend. Ooh, let's, or lack thereof. Let's not go there. Uh, anyway, Scotty, Scotty. Be more respectful to people. Anyway, uh, this one's also uh, penciled by David Ross uh, with inks by Al Milgram. Uh, Brad mm-hmm. Vacanta does the colors on this. Uh, but here's the thing. So you say it feels like Excalibur. Sure. It's goofy. It's fun. I like it. To me, it feels like a bad joke. Like, I don't think Scott Lobdell's goofs and jokes and tones in this land especially compared to stuff that he would do later like in gen x where he can write some like funny dialogue here it seems like it's goofy look at the fourth wall and shrug kind of jokes Mm. and i don't think that works for excalibur or for you know just making me personally laugh i I don't know i think a lot of that has to do with let's go over the plot um Nightcrawler crashes into an island. This island is uh, inhabited by a a group of of worshipping uh, people in what like loincloths and and uh, very little clothing, who are going to do a human sacrifice. It turns out that they're sacrificing this woman to what turns out to be Krakoa the kid, Veggie Supreme. Yeah, um, it's Krakoa's son. Based, he just looks like kind of a uh, a giant frog. Um, and we'll, <laughs> I want to get into some of the design elements here that are kind of interesting, um, that may have, uh, some ties to the present, but, um, I think that a big thing that suffers here in this issue is the artwork. Um, it's not bad artwork by any stretch of the imagination, but I was trying my best to imagine this issue illustrated by Alan Davis. And I feel like if it had that quality of artwork to it, it, it would probably measure up a little bit better. Yeah, this is no Pepe Larraz. This is no Alan Davis. This is no Dave Cockrum. This is not the guys that I would want to be drawing this, we- what should be a weird sci-fi planet feel. And instead yes. feels very much like this was an artist that they could get for a fill-in issue of Excalibur in the early 90s. Sure. Um, and, and the you know, the colors are kind of just okay. Uh, the art is just okay. Um, what I do find fascinating about this issue though, is that it has some Krakoa elements in it that are very similar to what we saw in uh, house of X and powers of 10, including X-Men being reborn out of little 
orbs that kind of look like the red orbs that we see all over Krakoa. Are you talking about? Are you talking about Gold Ball's eggs? You talking about the eggs Gold Ball lace that have X Men in them? I am now. These look less like Gold Ball's eggs and more like the the red eyes that we see that sort of sprout all over the place on Krakoa. But they do birth these sort of like simulacrum the uh, veggie men. Yeah, giant size X Men that that come out of there. Yeah, the veggie men. Um, and it's just odd to see this imagery being used in this comic that came out in the 90s. Do I think Jonathan Hickman read this comic? Yes, because it was before he stopped reading X-Men in the 90s. So I think him, a giant nerd, uh, did read this. Do I think Jonathan Hickman went back to this when he was pitching his Krakoa thing? No. I think this is happy accidents. <laughs> I mean, all of this ties into the fact that there is not just a singular Krakoa. We do see more Krakoas that pop up over the course of X-Men continuity. Um, This particular veggie Krakoa frog guy and his uh, human sacrifice that turns into his raving psychic just kind of wander off into the ocean and drown. Yeah, Um, because he was the only one of Krakoa's spores that landed on an island so that he could grow. The rest of them did not grow in the water. Uh, now, the question I have is, would Akroka, the uh, monster island Krakoa, that that in X-Men number two does have sex on panel with Krakoa, uh, if that had any children beforehand? Hmm. I don't know the answer to that. Adam, X-Men comics are so weird right now. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> They really are so many, uh, so many loose vines to pull at, uh, at this point. Um, though it does beg the question, what are you doing when you pull on a vine? Um, this is, (laughs) we have the clean lyrics tag on iTunes, Adam, come on. (laughs) This is, this Excalibur 31 is a very fun romp. Uh, I agree. It's not Excalibur at its best. Um, perhaps we should rank it on our giant list of 300 and how many stories are we up to? 39. Wow. Yeah, we have 339 stories on our list, ranked from best to worst of all the X-Men stories that have ever happened, uh, since the start of the universe to its heat death. Uh, Mm. I, I do think there is one story older than X-Men number one that I would consider ranking on this list. And it is Older not a Namor story, and it is not a uh, old Golden Age Doctor Nemesis story. Uh, so, oh. if anyone can hmm. send me exactly which story that is, you get a no prize. We'll send you a sticker. Sure, maybe. sure, maybe. <laughs> I don't know where my stickers are. I put one on my water bottle at work. Oh, I, I'll give you another one. No, um, I, I, all right. I'm sure I have plenty. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. One of them's one of them's a bookmark for me now. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Anyway, is this better or worse than Excalibur 96 to 100, the London Hellfire Club? Well, what position is that at? That's a 277, Zach. Well, before 277, I did want to I did want to give people an update of the list. Is that okay, Adam? Can I give an oh, update? Oh, I'm sorry. Of the list? I skipped that part. Yes. You give, did. Us, give us Don't uh, worry. Where we're this at. has been a weird episode already. It's fine that we missed <laughs> this part. <laughs> It's because we were at C2E2. We're out of our game. We're used to talking to strangers. Yeah, I'm recording in my mom's basement this week. It's a whole thing. I'm out of my element. All right. So number one, we have... Dark Phoenix Saga. Uh, Number 100 is uh, Captain America 
367, Acts of Vengeance. That's the time Magneto throws Red Skull into a hole. Uh, 200 is X-Factor 207 to 213, Happenings in Vegas. 300 is X-Men Unlimited 37, Sacrificial Worlds. And the bottom of our list is the Draco, which still sucks. Yep. And I'll say this. I mean, this is a much better Nightcrawler story than the Draco. So It is. Do you know what I don't think, though? Hmm. Like, there's there's Nightcrawler stories similar to this. There's that time yes. that he saves that lady in Arcade's murder world. Mm-hmm. There's other times when he does exactly that in other situations. And he just has a good yeah, swashbuckling he's... time. This is a lower tier version of all of that to me. Oh, very much. Very much. Um, um, I don't, I don't think that... it's even as good as that's a 277. I don't think it's as good as that. Okay. Okay. We're actually closer to the same page than I thought we were. Right. Uh, which one's classic X-Men than... 43? That's the, um, rogue backup story of her and Cody kissing and um, the issue after Jean dies. No, it's not. This is the uh, one where Jean dies. Oh, is it? Is that the, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's the back, uh, back, back issue with uh, Jean and the architect. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So classic X-Men 43 is on this list at 287. That's the one with Jean in the white hot room, building a tower with a dude. Mm hmm. I think that's better than this. Uh, yeah, and now I'm looking down the list. Um, I think this, it's probably better than Poptopia, but not better than Wildcats X-Men. I think that's true. I like Day of the Atom better. That's the one with Cerebro's X-Men. Okay, so is this our new 293? I think this is our new 293. It's Excalibur 31. Krakoa's nice. kid. All right. So we've established that Krakoa uh, had a little spore child, um, but now we got to back up because we have to explore a little bit more about the origin of Krakoa. What's our next story? Our next story is a more recent one. It's from 2018. It's Journey into Mystery, The Birth of Krakoa. Mm. Uh, This is written by Dennis Halliam with uh, pencils and inks by Jaril Morissette Fon and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, this is about how the Howling Commandos went to Krakoa right after there was a nuclear drop test on Krakoa, and then they they deal with some, uh, you know, some body horror, some body horror <laughs> for a little bit before Nick Fury makes friends with Krakoa. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, when I think of Journey into Mystery, I think of Thor. Am I wrong there? Is that not? That is Does so journey into mystery encapsulate more than just Thor stories typically. So as you may remember, uh, originally in like the fifties and stuff, Marvel was doing a lot of like anthology titles. Okay. Which journey into mystery was one of them. That was uh Thor uh, starred in it uh, starting in 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that it was some monster stories uh, some horror fantasy stuff. Uh, Zemnu, uh, you know, the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Zemnu's yeah. from that. Yeah, we all know Zemnu. He makes us feel better. Uh, he he is all <laughs> of our good memories of childhood. Uh, he 
he he was scary to me. He once threw uh he once threw what's his name Red Skull into a hole for his uh, deeds in uh in World War Two. Uh, he once uh threw a hammer at Ultron and said, "We will have words with thee." Zemnu's uh Zemnu's an interesting character. He's cool. He's kind of like a Muppet, like uh Yeti Wendigo with no mouth kind of thing going on. Yeah. He's but, fun. But yeah, this was a that was a horror monster book, which kind yes. of fits the theme for this. Oh, for sure. Um so we have the Howling Commandos returning from a mission, and I guess nobody bothered to tell them that there was gonna be a uh a nuclear test <laughs> nearby um, and a nuke is dropped onto an island. Um, now you and I were talking about this before we recorded is the nuke implied to have created Krakoa or to have enhanced Krakoa. What, what's your view on, on what the nuke, what its role is and how it plays into the, the origin of Krakoa. I think there's two sides to this. There is yeah. authorial intent and then mm-hmm. there is what has to work for continuity now, dang it. Okay. I think the authorial intent was that the nuclear radiation from the A-bomb being dropped on this island did turn it into Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. Uh, the mutant island. Interesting. I, okay. think, I think now Papa Hickman has said, uh, no, uh, th- that nuke just woke up Krakoa again. Because Krakoa has been there since the before times. Mm. Krakoa, you know, Apocalypse's best friend. It is uh, not clear in this story, which it is. And I I think that you're probably right in terms of what Dennis was intending. Um, But it does leave things vague enough that you could interpret it a couple different ways. I think what is fun about this story is just you have the Howling Commandos um, increasingly becoming covered in cabbage uh, <laughs> one by one and trying to like kind of cut each other out of it. Um, what's kind of disappointing about this is that all of them are just okay by the end of the story. Yeah. So I've been, I've been really interested in the idea of like ecological horror stories and things like that, like nature horror recently. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Vandermeer. I'm, yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking that I'm talking annihilation stuff. Like, that's yes. been stuck in my head as like a cool thing. I literally have a copy of The Wilds, uh, a book that friend of the show Vida Ayala did, sitting upstairs mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, dang, that has flowers growing out of people. I want to read that, and I haven't yet. <laughs> this has flowers growing out of people. It does. But I would but. say that while this story has a lot of those trappings, mm-hmm. It doesn't do a great job selling me on the horror, and I think most of that comes down to uh, uh, Jabril's art in this just not coming across as a big, massive, impactful thing, which you need when you are ripping people's bodies apart and mutating them into something different. Yeah, there are, and I want to compliment the art in certain places in this issue. I think that um, the artwork's actually pretty good. Um, lots of really high contrast images with lots of dark, heavy inks. Um, there's some really interesting panel layouts, including when Nick Fury um, actually stumbles into the heart of Krakoa. Oh, that's the, that's the best one. That's the best panel in this whole thing. That yeah. one rules. Um, 
the the imagery of the atomic bomb but i agree the way in which the the foliage let's call it grows on these people doesn't seem particularly threatening or horrifying um in some cases it just kind of looks like people have cauliflower heads and <laughs> you you want to be scared of it but it's not actually that scary to look at it's just kind of ugly a little bit i guess yeah maybe, like maybe have you have you read the book injection i have not Injection's a comic uh, written by Warren Ellis with art by a uh, uh, friend of the show, Declan Shalvey. Oh, okay. Uh, it's beautiful because it's Deck, uh, mm-hmm. but there there is a big splash page to the end of the first arc where there is someone who has, you know, very similar nature has taken over their body infections. Yeah. And it's dramatic and it's horrifying and, like, detailed and scary where this isn't this feels like it's squiggly lines drawn on a person that they said rochelle rosenberg please make this green yeah um it it just kind of looks like they're covered in lettuce and uh there's a couple of cases where it kind of works in that they are you know they're the individuals it's happening to are starting to become legitimately horrified but like i said everybody makes it out okay um and it, there, there don't seem to be many consequences to this stuff growing on them. Can I tell it's you a happy ending? It is. Can I tell you what would have made this book probably land twenty times better? Hit me. If the title of the book was "Journey into Mystery" and that's it, uh-huh. and it didn't give away the plot twist that it's. By the way, this is Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Because that's the <laughs> that's the twist of the issue. That's how it ends. It's like, guys, this was Krakoa. You get it? Except for it tells well, you and, that going into it. So you already know yeah. why everything's happening. You don't have the mystery that you're journeying into anymore. They gave you the roadmap to the mystery and said, this is how you get to it. They spoiled the comic on the cover. It's a good point. Because when Krakoa does appear, the visual is so awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty much a splash page of the that monster standing up covered in trees and, and just the sunlight bursting over its shoulder. Um, and Nick Fury crawling out of the heart, um, as Krakoa opens itself up. I I think that part is really cool. Um, there's even a little, I, I love the frame at the end. It's the second to last panel on the last page where you, you see a mountain kind of peeking out and looking at Nick Fury as he, uh, you know, sails away on this boat. Um, I like that stuff. I want to like this comic more than I, I think it's, it's probably not as good as I want it to be. Yeah. That's, that's my problem with it. I like it in concept. I don't like it in execution. I think Krakoa is an awesome place to do these kind of ideas. And I feel like they're tapping into some of that with some of the X-Men stuff that's going on. So like, I get it. Like, look at, look at, for example, Black Tom Cassidy in X-Force or Mondo in that first issue of New Mutants where, like, mm. Krakoa takes him over for a hot second. Yeah. Like, that's great. You can do a lot of cool stuff with that when you have artists like Rod Rice or uh, when you have guys like, uh, what's his name? He's incredibly talented. Joshua Kassara uh, doing oh, this. Yeah. But it doesn't land here, and that's disappointing as all get out. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. 
Um, so where's this going on our giant list? Um, I'm looking looking at our list right now. Mm-hmm. Is this? I'm gonna say something that might sound mean. Uh oh, here we go. Is this better or worse than the time that North Star flew at the page yelling "I'm gay" in Alpha Flight 106? An important that story. At? That's at 282. It's an important 282? story if it's not good. I'm going to say it is... We're in the right realm of the list. Right. Um, above that is The Return of Legion, which is New Mutants Volume 3, 1 to 4. I think that's better than this. I do too. Um, better or worse than New Mutants Follow the Mutants? Yeah, I'm looking at that. I think Fall of the Mutants might be better than this. Okay. But I think it's okay. close. Here's um, hmm, here's my big question, Adam. Tell me tell me if I'm wrong. At 288, we have IVX. Does the good in IVX mixed with the terribleness in IVX balance this one out or Here's what I'm going to say. While I would rather reread Journey into Mystery uh, <laughs> the origin of Krakoa more than I would like to reread IVX. I don't think it's as well executed. Um, however, right below that is X-Men 20 to 21, which is the absolutely bonkers. I Lucifer story, which I would much rather read than this journey into mystery. Um, so I would put it below. I Lucifer and above mechanics one to six. We should put, we should put it below mechanics. We should below probably mechanics? put it below Mechanics. Mechanics right, is will, a story I, that I think is probably just not for us. Like, heavily I've not for that. us. So yeah. many people like it. All right. I don't get it, but I honor those who do. This can be the people's choice. Uh, actually, <laughs> now that I look at that, is this better than that Wildcats X-Men? <laughs> um... Yeah, that fourth Wildcats X-Men is a total mess. It is. When I think, I think of Wildcats X-Men, it. I think just of that first issue, and then also the time that Jean Grey and Grifter kissed. That's right. And that's how Sinister got uh, Scott Summers' DNA, right? That's how, no, or, that, no, that's how he got Jean's DNA. Yeah, that's how he made Prior. Madeline Pryor, and that's that's canon. That's oh canon. If Hellions, if Hellions tries to take that away from me, I will go attack Zeb Wells myself. He's not a don't friend of the show anybody. yet. I don't know. He seems nice. I like his Spider-Ham and I like his Ant-Man, so I don't want to be mean to him. I bet Hellions is great. Just don't take this grifter continuity from me. Yes. And while that is messy, this next issue we're going to talk about is even messier. Uh, yeah. Next issue we're talking about, this is a transitional issue between two arcs of one of my least favorite runs of comics. We're talking about Young X-Men. This is written by Mark Guggenheim uh, with Ben Oliver on pencils and inks. And Jose Villaruba doing those colors. Oh, Jose, my old uh, professor from art school. Love Jose. Hey, uh, hey, the, color, co- the colors are what? good in this. Colors are good. <laughs> Jose always kicks butt. Uh, he's very talented. I like the lineup of this team uh, to a, to a pretty good extent. Um, am I enjoying the storyline where Rockslide spends an entire issue trying to figure out who in the roster is not a mutant, and I don't necessarily recognize everyone due to the way they're drawn? Or I, uh, here's the team. <laughs> here's the young X Men. 
They are Anlay. Yes. Dust. Mm-hmm. Rock Slide. Ink. Yeah. You know Ink, right? Everyone's favorite character, Ink. Everybody that's Morgan, Mark Guggenheim loves that ink. Mark Guggenheim loves ink. Ink, the character who was in X-Men Days of Future Past, the movie. <laughs> and brought back an X-Men Gold. <sighs> and then Grey Malkin is also in this. Uh, isn't Danny also in this? Yeah, but she's kind of like a... She's like a team sponsor, a team mentor. Her okay. and Roberto are. Anyway. Yeah. So, this... Uh, <laughs> this issue flashes between two two things happening. One is that Dust is having a conversation with Donald Pierce, who seems to have a good idea of who's not a mutant on the team. Uh, Rockslide is also obsessed with this, and uh, then they go fight some Krakoa monsters. Yeah, you know how Krakoa is a plant. Yeah, right. Yes, which is not true. It's an island that walks like a man, but that's fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What what. What Marky Mark does postulate is that there's more than one of every type of plant out there. So there's probably more Krakoas. Sure. So the X-Men fight Krakoas. Like they're nothing. Very very briefly. There it's only featured on like a couple of pages here, but yes, there are hissing blowing uh little well, they're big green monsters, and Sunspot makes quick work of them. Yeah, they um, don't look good. It doesn't. It doesn't look like Krakoa as you know it. No, one kind of has like a, a tentacle mustache, and the other one's got like fire coming out of him. Yeah, it's not great. And they beat them pretty quickly. Uh, Birdo kind of jumps through the green one, and. Uh, how do they kill the fire one? Um, looks like dust just kind of smashes them up. Yeah, so you, you're retaining these... a lot more of the details of this comic than I do. Oh, I'm flipping through it right now. That's uh, fair. Yes. So the punchline of this is that Ink is not a mutant. Who's a mutant, Zach? His tattoo artist is a mutant. But um, Wait, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Now I'm curious. Which season of Heroes had a mutant tattoo artist? Did it really? I don't remember that. Which season was that? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, there was there was a tattoo artist on Heroes that could give you tattoos that let you uh, have powers. There was a hot second of that. Because like the movie Elektra has someone with tattoo powers. Heroes wow. had someone with tattoo powers. Ink has tattoo powers. I don't know Man, why we all of... we all thought in like the late mid to late two thousands that that was something we wanted to have in our worlds. A lot but... of bros getting those tribal bands. They wanted to be uh, recognized in their in their work <laughs> in the media. It was bad, and it's bad here. Ink's the worst because he's a jerk, and he's not a fun jerk. He's just a jerk, no. jerk. Yeah, and the the whole issue is basically just um, bouncing between these two conversations, and Rockslide figures it out, and Dust figures it out, and it's just not that exciting. It's not. The entire next arc is about ink, and we haven't talked about that because I don't want to. It's called The Y-Men. Yeah, why, man? I ask myself that all the time. Why? Wow, wow, <laughs> why wow. Ink? Thank wow. you, thank you. Uh, wow, I'm so mad at you Adam right now. For Battle of the Atoms. 
<laughs> yeah, so, which is good right, because the, you're about to get kicked off of the podcast. <laughs> and I will be replaced by one of these random Krakoa spore monsters um, that appear here and never appear again. Yep. That's so this it. This is this, bad. Yeah, this is not a good one. Why did we pick three really bad comics this week? Well, uh, you know, Krakoa has a, a, a mixed track record, you know? Um, he he just, he, he spores around, and um, he pops up every once in a while, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's bad. Sometimes he's the Wolverine in the X-Men uh, grounds, you know, and just kind of, hey, let's build the school on top of me. And sometimes he's, like, created an island nation state on top of me. We could have talked about that. We could have talked about that issue where Krakoa and Akarat get hook up. Or Arako or whatever. We could have talked about a lot of good issues with Krakoa because we are now blessed with high-quality Krakoa content. Listen, man, we already recorded this episode, so we're stuck with ranking this third story. Where does it go? It's just as bad as the other two. It's right it's, there, right? Uh, I think it's I think it's worse. Uh, it ain't good. <laughs> it's it worse than the scene. It's... It, mm. No, the scene of Grace Iceman is higher. Is it worse than Iceman Volume 1? The first one? Yes. The Iceman Volume 1 is at least kind of like a bonkers thing to check out. You do not, you, no one needs to read this issue. And I say that as someone who likes uh, Rockslide and Annalee. It's not a good issue. You know, I think this one's worse than X-Man 5 through 7, The Man Who Fell to Earth I at 317. So I think so, too. Uh, is it worse, better or worse than Onslaught? I don't. Mm. So here's the thing about this. This is not, like, offensively bad in, like, it's not like, oh, this is horrible, horrible. I can't believe it. This is just, like, bad in all of the most boring possible ways. Yeah. I I, never I'm getting a similar vibe to like 325, which is Marvel Superheroes Quarterly Special 6 to 8 when Roy Thomas comes back and he has no idea what's going on with the X-Men. This is probably objectively better than that. <laughs> this is objectively better than that? I think this is better than those those weird three-ish issues of Roy Thomas uh, coming back. Uh, okay. Better, than, better or worse than Magneto Rex? I think it's worse than Magneto Rex at 322. Mm-hmm. Better than Chris Ca- Chris Claremont's Return to Excalibur Volume 3? I think it's, like, right there. Because right there we have <laughs> Forging the Sword, and then we have X-Man Messiah Complex, the one with the Purple Man, and this is probably better than that. Yeah. I think I would put it ahead of uh, that, that weird Chris Claremont arc. Of, okay. Uh, yeah. So this is our new 323, Zach? This is 323. Guys, all the other stories about Krakoa, not great. <laughs> we'll talk about it on another episode again. We'll talk about that I first arc of Wolverine uh, and the X-Men at some point. That one's fun. That's got good art. Sure. Got that, that good, good Chris Pachalo art. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that that was that was us talking about Krakoa for a while. Hope Thanks, Enigma. It. Because uh, you know Enigma went over to Patreon in support of the show. If you want to be like him and get an episode based around you, you can do that at Patreon.com. That's right. You too can uh, present us with a riddle. Yeah. And just like just like uh, the $5 and up patrons at Patreon.com, sometimes I put out stories and say, hey guys, I need some other stories to fill in this episode. And they give me these bad comics. 
to talk about. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think we picked those other two stories, did we? I don't know. I don't remember waking up and going, man, we should really cover Young X-Men number seven. Someday we're going to have to actually talk about the rest of Young X-Men. And that's a bad series. If it's anything like what I just read, it's It's exactly like what you just read. That's the problem. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to say something bold. Ooh, please. Pound for pound? X-Men Gold is probably the best X-Men thing Mark Guggenheim wrote. (laughs) X-Men Gold has its highlights. We definitely defended the Negative Zone War on this show. Um, It's not ranked at the bottom. But uh, this other thing we just read is not not so good. Someday we're going to talk about Mark Guggenheim's Bad Wolverine comics. Oh. The one where... Year 2025. Shh. We'll see. We haven't planned out to 2025 yet. We have planned out uh, more than 2020. But this was great. Uh, Enigma, thank you so much. Uh, if you guys want to check out the rest of the stuff that we do in the Xavier Files Media Nation, uh, you can go to XavierFiles.com or follow on Twitter at Xavier Files. Hey, Adam, what do you got going on? Guys, you can always follow me at Arthur Stacy, and uh, that's about it. I don't have anything going on. I'm just doing the show and having a good time. And if you missed our giant size last episode, C2E2, make sure you go back and listen to it. It's like two hours of uh, amazing interviews, and uh, make sure you check that out if you skip that one. Yeah, don't skip that one is the thing, guys. You should listen yeah. to these in order. Duh. <laughs> Duh, guys. There was an order. That was last week's. This is this week's. Uh, But what's next next week? week, Next week, we're going to talk about X-Factor Investigations. Just some some X-Factor Investigation stuff. Just some wild ones there. But until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. 